Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us. And we're continuing our study in the Old Testament book of Sirach, Sirach, which was called the church book, widely used in the early Catholic church to teach wisdom to new converts from the pagan world. And today we're going to be talking about testing, and if we have an adequate time, we'll also be talking about the final exam. Let me begin by emphasizing an important difference between the book of Proverbs, which in many, many ways is so similar to Sirach, but there's a way that Proverbs is considerably different from Sirach, and it's this. In the book of Proverbs, if you do the right thing and you live the right way, you get blessings, and that's pretty common. Everybody likes to hear that. But in other wisdom literature, and the wisdom literature includes Proverbs, includes Sirach, and it includes the book of Job. And in Sirach, if you do the right thing and live the right way, believe the right things, it may not all always go well. And this is not quite as popular a message, particularly amongst believers, but it's reality, and it's a reality that the early Catholic Church felt was essential for Catholics to hear so that they could live faithfully no matter what happened in life. So if we really want to build an understanding of wisdom, we don't want to press things too far, because if we do the right things and believe the right things, sometimes you have things go wrong. You have incredibly difficult testings, and on the other hand, if you believe the right things and do the right things, sometimes life is absolutely wonderful, and there's a certain sense we need to balance these. That's why we read all of the wisdom literature, and that's why I'm trying to do this new study in Sirach, which is a first time for me ever, and I'm enjoying it immensely. And let's come to a very, what at least I regard, as a very unusual verse that was widely used in the early church, Sirach chapter 2 and the first verse. My son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. I don't know how widely this verse is used in Catholic seminaries. At the time I went to seminary, I was a Protestant. So, uh, I never heard this because Sirach wasn't regarded as one of the books of the Old Testament in the seminary I went to. But if you are a deacon or training to be a deacon or training to be a priest or want to be a youth leader or want to be involved in some type of apostolic work or if you just want to be a good witness and model to folks on your street and in your business, remember Sirach chapter 2 verse 1, my son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. And then it goes on to say, set your heart right and be steadfast, and don't be hasty in time of calamity. 
In other words, don't bolt. If it gets rough living as a faithful disciple following God and things are getting difficult, be steadfast. Keep your heart right. Don't be hasty. Don't take off running. But cleave to him, verse 3, and do not depart, that you may be honored at the end of your life. And then, and this is wholesome advice, accept whatever is brought upon you, and in changes that humble you, be patient. For gold is tested in the fire, and acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation. Trust in him, and he will help you make your way straight and hope in him. Now, I think I've been guilty of this. And again, what we're talking about is balance. So when one verse in one book of wisdom literature says something, we need to keep that in context with perhaps contrasting verses in other wisdom literature or the same book. And what it's basically saying, if you desire to serve the Lord, or let's put it in a modern context, if you decide to convert to Christianity, get ready for some rough times. Now, there's a balance here, because if you're doing evangelism or encouraging somebody to get serious about their faith, you don't want to scare them off, and you want to have the attractiveness that the Christian faith offers by living faithful with Christ, with the grace, the peace, the blessings that come with that. But on the other hand, somebody who comes to Christ or renews their faith in Christ or gets serious about their faith needs to get ready for some rough times. One of the books that I just love is Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, and it's a book written from the devil's point of view trying to trip up a Christian. And I find it very helpful because it makes me feel incredibly stupid for even considering succumbing to a temptation. Bottom line, when this, when this young man wasn't even trying to follow Christ, well, why in the world would the devil even bother with him? He's already living in sin, so no problem. But when he decides to convert, oh, screw tape has lots of things to throw at him to try to trip him up. This is, this is a realistic view of a faithful's disciples walk with God. Now, I can remember years ago, a man writing me looking for a job here at the Family Life Center because he was in a particular job that was very stressful. And I can remember, I don't want to pick on anybody, but this was a particular job that I, I also had worked at earlier in my life. And it is a stressful job. But when somebody wrote and said, I would like to be involved in some type of Christian ministry because I don't want stress in my work, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> sometimes it's very peaceful and other times it is not. And I think part of it is that we are living, or at least have lived, in such highly abnormal times in the United States of America. And don't get me wrong, this is a supreme blessing. I would need to have this uh, 
kind of explanation of why we need this verse. If you and I were living in communist red China right now, but because we have had such blessings and religious freedom in the United States, we think that somehow uh, we're going to be immune from this forever. And that's it's just not the way it is. And even with the religious freedoms we have in the United States, there's no way to be involved in Christian service and avoid stress and troubles. And so uh, we need to be very realistic. And I'm going to give you examples from the history, early history of the church. But first, I need to mention a couple of things. One, there's, I would call practically a heresy that's very widespread in Protestant circles. It's called the health and wealth gospel. And it's basically, uh, if you believe in Jesus just the right way this particular preacher is saying, and perhaps send him some money, um, you know, your debts will be canceled or you'll unexpectedly get a lot of money, you'll drive a fancy car, and you'll never get sick. Uh, this isn't a Christian faith, but this is a made-in-America religion. And unfortunately, it is very popular with poor peoples in third-world countries that gets exported from the United States. What those folks need to hear is, my son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. And that word temptation in the Greek can mean just that temptation, or can also mean a test or a trial, not a temptation necessarily to do sin as much as going through a difficult time as a way of testing faith. And I must say, even in Catholic circles, I mean, the Catholic life isn't one just relaxing in total enjoyment with truth and beauty. I mean, that's true. There is an enjoyment of truth and beauty. But on the other hand, uh, the vast history of the Catholic faith, particularly in the early centuries and in my estimation in future times, it's going to be very difficult to live the Catholic life. And we need to know that God hasn't abandoned us, that not everything is going haywire. No, this is a plan. God knew all about it. Now, I want to show you how the leaders, the church fathers, the saints of the early church repeatedly used Sirach and regarded it as scripture, which is not regarded as scripture in Protestant Bibles. It's called the Apocrypha, if it's even included, but most Bibles today, Protestant Bibles, it's not even included. And I want to show you how specifically, not only did they use Sirach, but they really seem to hone in on this single verse, my son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation, trials, and testing. This is from St. Cyprian. He lived AD 210 to 258. And he said this, the Christian must struggle more with the attacks of the devil. In other words, if you're a Christian, you're going to have more devil problems, okay, uh, than what you did before you converted. Holy Scripture teaches and forewarns, 
My son, when thou comest to the service of God, stand in righteousness and fear and prepare thy soul for temptation. The Holy Scripture teaches and forewarns. That's Sirach, chapter 2, verse 1. And again, in pain endure, and in thy humility have patience, for gold and silver is tried in the fire. And where did that come from? <laughs> Sirach, chapter 2, verse 5, just continuing a few verses down from 2, 1, for gold is tested in the fire, and acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation. Then there's St. Jerome, the Bible man of the early church who translated the Bible. He lived approximately 342 to 420. And then he says this, I, I really like this one, but I shall not deceive you with flattering words or make the ground froth under your feet with slippery praises. In other words, I am not going to tickle your ears. And you know, a lot of people have a temptation. And I dare say everybody who has a microphone on the air, who's on TV and writing books and articles and speaking in conferences, and I include myself, there's a temptation to tickle the ears, to tell people what they want to hear. And St. Jerome, hardcore, says, I will not deceive you with flattering words or make the ground froth under your feet with slippery phrases. Rather, I will say what is good for you to hear. My son, if thou come to serve the Lord, prepare thy soul for temptation. Sirach 2.1. They would have called it Ecclesiasticus 2.1, which simply means the church book. That's the nickname for Sirach. Here's John Cassian. He lived approximately 360 to 465. Now, John Cassian was the first to introduce the rules of Eastern monasticism into the West. Now, let's, let's just think back for a minute about the man writing me who was in a stressful job, and it was a stressful job, who wanted to come work in an apostolate to avoid stress. Well, how about taking it one step further. What about going into a monastery? You would totally eliminate stress, 100%, right? Well, let's see what John Cassian had to say. Wherefore, as the scripture says, when you go forth to serve the Lord, stand in the fear of the Lord and prepare your mind, not for repose or carelessness or delights, but for temptations and troubles. For through much tribulation, we must enter into the kingdom of God. Consider, therefore, that you belong to the few and elect, and do not grow cold after examples of the lukewarmness of many, but live as the few, that with the few you may be worthy of a place in the kingdom of God, for many are called and few are chosen. In other words, genuine discipleship involves being willing to endure difficult times. In other words, this was a part of the Christian life. Now, here's one from Pope St. Gregory the Great, a pope, St. Early Church. Pope St. Gregory the Great lived about 540 to 604, and this can describe rather accurately 
what happens after a genuine conversion or a renewal experience of your faith. Let's say you go on a mountaintop retreat, you have a conversion or a reversion, a reawakening of your faith, and this is what happens. As soon as the soul starts to love heavenly realities, as soon as it concentrates with full intensity in view of that intimate peace, then that ancient adversary that was hurled down from heaven senses envy and begins to multiply the pitfalls. He advances temptations more relentless than normally, so that most of all that all he tempts the soul that resists as he had never been tempted before. Therefore, it is written, my son, if you present yourself to serve the Lord, stand firm in justice and in fear and prepare yourself for temptations. Sirach 2 verse 1. So, the translator's handbook for Sirach properly says the meaning here, and there's, there's, there's a single Greek word that can be translated into various English words, and the most common one, it seems, is temptation. Prepare yourself for temptation. But the meaning here, they say, is not necessarily temptation as we normally think of it. It's being tested, not tempted to do wrong, but being tested in situations where your faithfulness to God either disappears or remains. It's, it's refined. And Sirach, this teaching here, was not only pervading the early church. I just took you through the early centuries with the church fathers, the saints, the pope, but also made its way. Sirach chapter 2, verse 1, made its way into the New Testament. Just a few verses beyond the first verse where it says, gold is tested in fire and acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation. In other words, tough times are for the real disciples following God. Well, listen to our first pope, first Peter chapter one, verse six. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the New Testament as well, the epistle of James is almost like, uh, at least sections of it, is mini wisdom literature. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. And here is how James opens his epistle, starting in the second verse. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And blessed is the man who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So you see what happens? Sirach was written in the couple of centuries before the coming of Christ. And this Old Testament book 
filled with wisdom for practical living, wanted a disciple to know if you get serious about following God, it's not going to be just an easy, flowery cakewalk, but there's going to be difficulties. And when difficulties come, you don't bolt from the faith or try to escape the situation in a way that you'd be just jumping out of your your own God-given context, but this is a way of refinement to actually make your faith stronger. Now, I do have time, and I like to talk about the final exam, okay? It's a normal part of the Christian life to have trials and tests. And that's we saw in Sirach, all the church fathers. We saw it going right into the New Testament with the epistle of James and also 1 Peter. But beside the normal, normal Christian life, having these tests, and the more you get serious about God, expect the more serious tests and trials. At some point in history, and we don't know exactly when, and if you read on the internet a date for the second coming of Christ, just turn your computer off or your phone off because that person's a false prophet. We don't know the date, but we do know, we do know from divine revelation there's going to be a final exam. In other words, before Christ comes, there's going to be a great apostasy or a falling away of the bulk of the world's population following the Antichrist, and it's going to become very difficult. And this will be a time of testing. This will be the final exam. Our, again, our first pope, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, keep sane and sober for your prayers. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you or test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, living in the United States, and don't get me wrong, there's nowhere else in the world I think is better than the United States of America. This is a great place. We're going through a difficult time. But because we've enjoyed such a huge degree of religious freedom, it's given rise to a false teaching, and I'll give it the name. There's no final exam. And I'm referring to that portion of Protestants, not all Protestants believe in it, the rapture theory, is that before any time of severe testing, we're taken out of here. And one of the verses in the book of Revelation where they think is an unmistakable reference to being taken away so there's no final exam is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. And if you ever talk to somebody who's really into the rapture theory, you better be ready for Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. It goes like this, Jesus speaking, because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. Now, 
you know, I guess at first glance, it does kind of look like Jesus says, if you're faithful to me, I'm going to keep you out of here. And they think this is the rapture. God will take you away. Now, one of the things we try to do in interpreting the Bible is that if you have a passage that you want to clarify or make sure you have clarity with, you look for the same author, the Apostle John, teaching the same subject, hard times towards the end of the world in this case, and using the same words. And there is only one other time in the entire New Testament where the words keep you from, that's actually two words in Greek, keep from, is used. And it happens to be used by St. John in the same context. And so we use this other scripture to clarify and make sure we're understanding Revelation 3.10 accurately. And that other verse is John 17, verse 15. I do not pray that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil one. This is pretty clear. Jesus is saying, I'm not saying a a swish rapture, take them out of the world to keep them from the evil one. No, they'll be kept from because of the trial and temptation going on. God is going to protect them. And it's keeping from, and those are the two Greek words, doesn't mean being taken out of the world. There will be a final exam. I can't tell you when that will be, but we are always ready. And it's one of the reasons I'm doing a companion broadcast podcast called Luke 21 Radio, and it's on biblical prophecy. And the reason I'm doing it is probably best summarized by the venerable Bede who lived between 672 and 735. He wrote the history of the English people. He said, Their loving master wanted his disciples to know in advance the future hostility of the wicked, so that when it appeared, it would cause them less harm, given that usually we more easily endure the adversaries that we can foresee. The evils that happen to one who is not prepared and does not know what is coming often cause a more precipitous fall from their state of security. Here is the warning. Son, when you come to service of God, stand firm in justice and in fear and prepare your soul for temptations. Sirach 2.1. And I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 342 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.